This is episode 33 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today, Maria joins us to talk about serving missionally. Welcome to the Christian Travelers Network, where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hey, Christian Travelers, so glad that you are here. We have an awesome guest named Maria who will be talking about some of her missional experiences in Southeast Asia and in the United States. Before we dive into that, I want to again remind you that you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and our website at christiantravelers.net. But without further ado, Maria joins us, and she is currently Chief of Staff at Speak It to Book, a company that helps exceptional people write their books and build their platforms. She moved back to the States after three and a half years as a missionary in Southeast Asia. After spending time as an international missionary herself and traveling to a few different countries, she has enjoyed supporting other missionaries by making herself available to them in various ways. Maria also enjoys studying the Bible, going to the beach, playing board games, and spending quality time with friends and family. Hey, Maria, how are you doing? Doing good, yeah. Good. We're so glad to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got started as a missionary? Yes, yeah. So, um, as you mentioned, I'm living in San Diego, and I grew up here in Southern California wanting to tell people about Jesus that was kind of part that was definitely a part of my heart as a child grew up in a Christian home so but the concept of sharing Jesus internationally always sounded exciting to me I actually had a my godmother she's she's a scientist and she used to travel a lot and I thought that meant she was a missionary. (laughs) And so, uh, so I would be like, Oh, I want to be like my godmother and be a missionary. Uh, even though that's not what she was, she just traveled for science. (laughs) My, you know, my, my family, we had, we had missionary friends in Mexico, um, and we would visit them pretty often, but really I thought seriously about being an international missionary when I went through a ministry training school and graduated in 2011 from that. And uh, during that time, went on my first short-term mission trip uh, to Haiti. And during that season in the ministry training school overall, I felt that God was drawing me to do long-term missions work, but I didn't really know what that looked like. Uh, but that was kind of my my introduction to missions and how I kind of started looking into it. And I think it's really awesome that there's so many people that have traveled in your life. Um, on the Christian Travelers Network, we spend a lot of time talking about how in any vocation, um, no matter how or why you're traveling, uh, you have the opportunity to share the gospel and you know, even though uh, your aunt was traveling as a scientist, you know, she also probably in some way made an impact on others too. How would you define being a missionary? I know that can be a hard question because people will say different things in response to that. Some will say that everyone's a missionary. It just, you know, some people are missionaries in their home country, but, and then some others will say that 
only people who travel internationally are missionaries. I honestly don't know how to perfectly answer the question, but I would say that everyone has a life to live on mission that we that we are called by God uh, wherever wherever we're at to serve him and it doesn't have to be internationally. Um, I wouldn't put I wouldn't even put an emphasis on the, the title as missionary, but I think that we, we can serve God right where we're at, whether that's in our job, whether that's um, in our home, or if that's in another country. And it's not, it's not about, it's not about location or going somewhere uh, that we have to go out to, you know, in my case, Asia, uh, but it is right where you're at. God can use you. God definitely does use us in a lot of different ways and no matter where we're at. But how did God direct your attention to Southeast Asia? Uh, as I mentioned, when I went to the ministry training school, I felt a draw to do uh, long-term missions work. And while I was there, I heard about an opportunity in Southeast Asia and saw the need there. And um, I mean, at first it was, I felt like God clearly spoke to me that he would be sending me there. Uh, there was just this this clear check in my heart, I guess you could say, that that's where God was sending me. Initially, I didn't know too much about um, the, the area. I didn't know a lot about Southeast Asia, but the more I learned about it, the more I learned about how many unreached people groups are there, how, what the needs are, the, just the poverty, and mostly I think it was knowing that there were so many people there that didn't have access to the gospel, and that's what really started to grow my heart for the nation. I started praying for Southeast Asia and that God would open a door. I was, I was only, let's see, 2011. So that was, I was only like 20 or I was probably like 20 when I started um, hearing about that opportunity and I was really eager and I started just telling everyone that I was going (laughs) and uh, I'm sure not everyone took it seriously. Probably a lot of people (laughs) didn't (laughs) because I was just really excited and um, eventually a friend of mine, her name's Sandra, she told me she wanted to go there too and we started praying together every Wednesday for uh, the country and we just prayed for a door to open and uh, in 2012, I went there on a short-term trip, and my friend Sandra and I, we were praying that some of those same people would be moved in their hearts to return back. That's exactly what happened. Uh, we moved back there in 2013. That's kind of how we ended up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's crazy how God works in those ways. Mm-hmm. So what was your primary responsibility while you were there? Um, for, I guess, a little bit of context, our team's focus was on discipleship. We, we did a lot of church planning. We um, did uh, start a discipleship school that we, we did that for about uh, six months. Um, we provided different social services, but ultimately we had a heart to train up the nationals. We wanted to uh, 
be dis- disciple makers or we wanted to make disciples and that would make disciples. That was, that was our heart. So we really wanted to train up uh, the people there. Um, my, my personal, my role evolved a lot over the few years I was there. So when I was first there, I was only 22. I didn't really know a lot about what I wanted to do. I didn't really fully know how God designed me. And I started off doing a lot of different things. I mentored and discipled uh, young girls. I hosted a small house church, um, taught an English class. And eventually that's how I discovered what I was gifted at by trying a lot of different things. And I mean, I know that I didn't, I was not gifted in teaching. So (laughs) um, that, that was definitely... Um, just a season of learning, but my friend, Sarah, who was on our, our, she was our team admin and she started asking for my help with different things. And she, she really trained me up in that area. So eventually our team changed and I became the new, uh, admin. I managed all the logistics around, uh, ministry planning and budgeting and day to day that as I kind of transitioned into that main admin for the team my my role looked very very similar actually to doing ministry in the states so it wasn't always you know I think if you've never done missions or if you have no mission context or if you don't really understand um, if you have a very different uh, distant perspective on missions work you can sometimes think that Every day you're out there doing service projects or outreaches, but it doesn't typically look like that. Those are more events in the um, in the midst of the day to day. We definitely did those things, but I think a lot of times it was for my day to day. It looked like doing planning, budget planning, um, meeting uh, with our with our team members for different things, um, on top of meeting with the the nationals. For planning, but also for discipleship, I would, on a weekly basis, for the last year and a half, or probably the last year I was there, I over, I was overseeing a woman's ministry, and so I would meet with the woman one-on-one to pour into them, and also um, met with them in a group to, you know, on a, on a weekly basis for fostering an environment of discipleship. So it it kind of, you know, it looked very similarly to how ministry, like a ministry would look in a church or part of a nonprofit here in the States. I can relate to that because I actually work at a church. So I do a lot of that administrative stuff and it's a lot of stuff that's behind the scenes, but it's still important too. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Um, can you speak a little bit more about the importance of discipling the locals so that they could witness to others? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we ultimately we know that we knew that our time was limited there in um, in Southeast Asia, especially with the political climate there, and there's there's just a lot of challenges with religion in that in the area we were in. And so we knew that we couldn't be there forever. But more than that, I think it came down to the nationals knowing their culture. 
uh, they know their culture. They know the different languages there. They know, um, they, they understand the, the culture in a way that we can't. So for us to do ministry, we're only so effective. Uh, as we train people up there, we, we saw them do so much. We saw them thrive in a way that we couldn't in their culture. And even uh, uh, in the first couple years when we were doing a lot of church planning, we were, we were doing house churches, but then uh, as soon as we trained up some of the locals, we felt like, we felt like that blew up so much more. Uh, they were, they were starting churches, house churches faster, way faster than us. And it was just a lot, it's a lot more sustainable to train people up and to do, to disciple in their own country. So making them disciples. So that they can effectively be used in their own culture to train up disciples. Yeah, that's so important. Um, equipping others so the gospel carries on in ministry mm-hmm. is always important. So, yes. Um, committing to three and a half years overseas, uh, that can be very scary to some. What were some challenges that you faced with that kind of? travel and commitment and moving away from home Mm -hmm. I think it's different for everyone I'm very uh, I'm very close to my family so I really struggled with homesickness and I had a team but I think uh, as a single woman it was hard uh, in the sense that I didn't have a partner I didn't have someone there with me that that was in it in that, in that way, I didn't have any family members with me. So that was, that was probably one of the most difficult things, just feeling alone and, uh, struggling through loneliness. There were a lot of challenges, but I think that was, that was one of the harder ones, just feeling very alone. Uh, but also, um, just with living in another country, another thing that was challenging was, just being in a different culture that I didn't understand. Obviously, I, you know, when I, when I came from America to Southeast Asia, I, I really thought, oh, it'll be easy for me to transition to another culture. Um, and I thought that I could do that easily, but I didn't, I never realized how American I was until I moved there. Uh, the culture is obviously very different. Um, communication can be challenging, even when they speak English. Uh, the last, the last year and a half, I lived in a large city, and a lot of people spoke English. That wasn't um, a problem, but it was more their their way of communicating. Uh, I could say one thing, and they could hear, even though they we were speaking English, they would hear something else, and same vice versa. I know that can happen just in any relationship here in America, <laughs> but that would, um, that was just exponentially more difficult <laughs> in another culture. You know, a lot of people traveling to some of these Asia, um, I know that people will say this about different countries, but they have a different philosophy of time. And so that was, that was definitely challenging for me because I'm a very, punctual person (laughs) and um not uh but their their philosophy of time isn't really they they have a different concept and they um, it's more valuing relationships did you have difficulties transitioning back to the states 
Yes, definitely. So um, this actually uh, talking about transitioning into different cultures. I There's a book I read um, a few years ago. It's called Cross-Cultural Connections. It's, um, I believe it's by Dwayne Elmer. Anyways, so there's this, this, I guess you could say this analogy he uses in the book. And he talks about how, for example, say our country, say America is blue and Asia is yellow. So I'm a blue person, you know, as an American, I'm blue. And I go to the yellow mm-hmm. country and I eventually become green. <laughs> so um, it sounds kind of funny, but I, but when, when you transition from one country to another and you, you say I become green, I, um, I no longer feel like I'm not really a part of the yellow country, but I'm not really part of the blue country. So you can feel really like you don't belong anywhere. Um, it can be very challenging to come back to your home culture because you have this whole new perspective on the world um, and on life that no one really understands. And it's common for uh, returning missionaries to feel really alone uh, because no one really understands your experience and um, can relate in a personal way. How did you get through that? Or what advice would you have for someone if they would go through something like that? I think what helped me was, you know, in the three and a half years that I was out, I I came back in between and I really, I really had a hard time when I first came, when I first came back to visit. And, um, but I think what that taught me was that I needed to be a lot more intentional about um, engaging in the transition. And so when I moved back uh, permanently, I was very purposeful about spending time to reflect on my experience. Um, I didn't return back to work uh, right away. I took, I think it was about three months that I took just to uh, slow down. I spent time doing things that would help me to reflect on my experience. Um, I spent time uh, processing with friends, uh, meeting up with friends to talk about my experience. And the more I talked about it, the more um, I was able to uh, embrace the new season I was in. And so I just, I really just took a lot of time to process. I wrote, I um, wrote about my experiences. I talked with friends. I um, I didn't commit to anything. Um, I didn't commit to doing ministry for a few months, and I didn't um, get a new job right away. So I think I think doing just just taking my time to transition um, really helped me. So I I think one of the big things that actually did help me too was I I specifically had a friend who committed to meeting with me on a weekly basis specifically to so that she could listen to me and ask me questions about how my experience was and how I was doing with the transition and she committed to that um, because I asked her to Um, and I think a lot of people feel like oh like they don't want to be a burden or whatever but I knew that that was going to help me the most with my return back so um, I definitely would suggest taking for anyone who who is coming back from a missions experience, um, an international missions experience, to uh, take their time and 
don't be afraid to ask someone to just listen. That is incredibly good advice. (laughs) So have you stayed connected with any of the people from your team or have continued to help any missionaries in any way? Yes. So um, I have a friend that's actually still in Southeast Asia. She's out there by herself. I manage communication for her and logistical logistical support for her from here. Mm-hmm. And I also connect with her regularly to to just be a listening ear. Um, as I mentioned, it's it's really common for uh, missionaries to feel really alone and even disconnected from disconnected from people in the states because life goes on. And so I have committed to being there for her. Um, and it's it's. It's kind of cool because being involved in, because of being involved in missions work for a while, I've actually built a pretty wide network of missionaries that I, I know of and involved in some way. Um, so I, um, I definitely I, I connect with them when I can. Um, I've I've had opportunities to go out and help different missionaries. There's families I've gone out to specifically just to help out with their kids for a week or two sometimes they need um, you know they need a break or if the mom wants to get a little more involved in ministry for for a week or whatever the case is so hopefully next year I'll be uh, visiting my my friend in Asia to to help her out with something so that's that's allowed me to stay pretty connected which is which is really nice so what advice would you have for people to get involved with missions or support missions? Well, first of all, I think finding out if your church supports any missionaries and getting involved. There's a few ways to get involved, whether that be uh, giving. I know that financial support is always helpful to missionaries. Churches usually can't fully uh, support missionaries, so it's it's extremely helpful to be able to give financially to a missionary. Um, Being available to host a missionary is also helpful. So when they come back for a visit or they're transitioning back to their home culture, um, if you have an extra room, that's also uh, a a big help to them. As one last thing, I think it's nice, it's nice for missionaries to have visitors. So if you like traveling and if you have the, the ability to do that, I would I would ask a mission if you know a missionary ask if they if they could use a visit and just letting them know that there's no obligation for them to entertain you or to to show you around or anything but just so that you're specifically going there to be there for them. I mean personally I know from being out that anytime we had a friends visit it was it was extremely refreshing and encouraging. So if your purpose is specifically there just to be there for, there for them, not necessarily to experience uh, the culture, but just to be there for, for them, that means a lot. So yeah, those are a few ways. <laughs> Mike Snyder joined us a few weeks back and he also mentioned that too, like going to visit missionaries can actually be very refreshing for them. And that's something I'd never thought of before. So cool idea. Yeah, I think without having the obligation of, you know, I think a short hosting short-term trips is great. Um, we, my team did that. Um, and it, it can be valuable, but just to have people visit, just to visit you is extremely encouraging and uplifting. 
So I always love to ask my guests, um, what has been your biggest God moment in all of your travels? Yeah, that's such a, man, there's so many God moments, (laughs) but I, (laughs) um, so it's definitely a hard question. Well, one thing I will mention is, uh, so when I first moved to Southeast Asia, there's this whole visa process. I, you know, I don't know if your listeners would be familiar with, um, how that works with different countries, but specifically through to, for the place we went to, um, there was this long visa process. We went there, um, originally on an employment visa and our visa got denied. And so obviously we're not going to get into the country without a visa. And, uh, it was going to take a miracle for anything to work out. So, uh, we we just prayed and we, we didn't really know what to do. We could have just given up and uh, been like, okay, I guess we're not supposed to go. Um, and sometimes that is true and that is God closing the door. But for us, we felt like, man, we really feel like we're supposed to go. And so um, a few members of our team went to the um, the embassy for, for the, the specific country. And you can't really get into that place, but they were able to actually um, they were able to, and they were able to meet meet with um, someone that would be able to approve it. And um, it was it was some silly mistake, but on, honestly, it's that that was basically made on our part. But so it should have been impossible, though, for us to get get approved after having our visas denied. And it was definitely the Lord that we had, um, we had our visas approved. It turned around and we were able to go, but we just, we had prayed and we, we knew we were supposed to go (laughs) and it worked out. So it was definitely a miracle. That was a big God, a big God moment. You could say. That is pretty awesome because that always puts you in a very uncomfortable spot, uncertain what to do. And God, God comes through always. So if anyone wants to connect with you, how can they get connected? Uh, yeah, so you can email me at, uh, it's maria at speakittobook.com, and I, I'll keep in touch. Thank you. We really appreciated having you on the podcast. Yes, thank you so much. This was um, definitely, um, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Christian travelers, I hope that you enjoyed, and until next time, safe travels and God bless.